Tom, how are you doing? I'm very, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. Good to see your beautiful face once again. <laughs> you mean this this beautiful face? say <laughs> <laughs> that thing is horrible. So Tom is holding up a stuff. Is it real? Yeah. So it, do you want to know what a story this? I don't. I don't promote killing animals and taxidermying them. But my grandparents, God rest their souls, used to run a pub, the Lion Pub in Llansenfrydemechain. Oh, did they? Back in the 60s, before, way before I lived there. And the hunters used to go there for their post-hunt meal all the time. And once they presented them with this as a gift, and my grandparents were like, thanks, <laughs> I think. But they were also, you know what these, like, especially in like little rural Wales, if they didn't then hang it up in the park, people would take deeper, that group would have taken deep offence to that. Oh, yeah. They would, so they would have been... Yeah, and then like, years down the line, where they when they didn't live in the work in the pub anymore, run the pub, and they they had their little house in Sutton Farm in Shrewsbury, they had this on the wall, and that was a, there when I was a kid growing up. So when my grandparents both passed away, which happened in quite a short space of time, and the the family swarmed in to grab the TVs and the stereos and you know whatever they yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. in the house, I was I went and I was like, that's what I want. <laughs> Fair days, man. It's well, because like it's it's something so unique to like. There's there's a story behind it. It freaked me out as a kid in their house, and it's fucking horrible. <laughs> and there's like, <laughs> it's it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a talking point, isn't it? That's the thing. Uh, it's just like I'm not going to remember my grandparents from their fucking Sony TV that's now out of date or whatever. You like. Well, growing up in the country as well, like my mum had this. Um, now I don't agree with fox hunting, but she had this fox skin that one of the farmers had brought round. I wondered what you were going to say then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Fuck's sake! Uh, she had a fox skin, is what I was going to say. And uh, at my fifth birthday party, I put this fox skin on my back and chased all my friends around with it on. So there you okay. go. It was very weird. Yeah, like, very weird. I, I, I have this. It's not because I'm I go out killing authors. It's just, it fucking exists. I'm not going to be offended at this point. No, exactly. Tom, I have another thing to bring up. So we are we we, we have a, a very distinctive show name, that eight bit shit show. But like, so fans of shows quite often get titled, you know, things like Justin Bieber's fans are believers or whatever. Which is a weird and example. Slipknot fans are maggots. There you go. It's a better example. So, would our listeners be shits? <laughs> shitheads, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> shitheads. <laughs> so, to all you shitheads out there, welcome yes. to that eight-bit shit show. I'm Adam, your host. All the eight, all the eight-bit shitheads. Exactly. And uh, I, as always, I'm here with Tom. So, what we're doing on the show, we're cataloging game and history, game by game, one game at a time, um, starting at the beginning. <laughs> And working our way through all of the games that have ever been made. So, this week we're looking at Mega Man Two. So I've got a beer to go with it, Ad. Lovely stuff. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have a beer tonight because I'm doing dry January. <laughs> that means no spunking for all of January. <laughs> <laughs> no nut January. Uh, what beer have you got? This is Mega Man Two, so I have two hoots. Nice. Oh, this looks like a nice. I might not drink it because I have another one. I realised something that I have never tried: a Nuki Brown. <laughs> oh, a Nuki Brown! You've never had Nuki Brown, man. 
No. I'm Classic. imagining it's fucking horrible. So which one would you like me to open? Oh, get the Nuki Brown open. I want you to try you it. Gonna... Yeah, Do it's you good. I, I feel that this, I have a glass, but I feel that people who drink Nuki Brown, I either need a bottle or, even better, I have a paper bag. <laughs> yeah, that's very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big one, but I could drink it out of that. Nice. Yeah, keeping in the spirit of things, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll go with the bottle, I think. <laughs> I mean, people in Newcastle, what? They only use glasses to fight, so... Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> How are you going to drink out of a glass once you've stuck it in the barman's throat? <laughs> <laughs> very difficult. So as I said, we are looking at Mega Man 2. I like that beer, by the way. We're looking at Mega Man 2. Uh, developed good and more, published. Oh, go on. Let's get that before we start the full show. Oh, it's like the Skull of Ale. It's Is that a good review? I don't know. Do you like Skull? Not particularly. It's all right. It's just an average ale. It's not, I wouldn't give it average. But yeah, there you go. It's not very good, but it's okay. Let's Ace. go, Mega Man 2. Sorry, I've, I've derailed you for four minutes and 40 seconds. It's all right. That's what we do here. Uh, so developed and published by Capcom and released on a Famicom in uh, December of 1988 uh, and then released in 1989 in North America. Um, now, <laughs> this is called Rockman 2, The Enigma of Dr. Wily or Dr. Willy. Or oh, Dr. Willy, The yeah. Enigma of Willy. <laughs> in Japan. Uh Conflicting sources, some also say that it was called The Secret or The Mystery instead of yeah, The Enigma. Yeah, so The Enigma is one thing, yeah. Um, what I want to just flag up to people is that we're talking about this because it's our first sequel. We covered Mega Man in Season 1. Yeah, we did. And it's, it seems very early to be getting on with sequels, but we've got to... It's very unlikely we're going to do Mega Man 3 in Season 3. We'll come back to Mega Man 3. But with this game, it is the first three entries that are really important. Yeah. Now, yeah, we yeah. do cover games that aren't important, as you would have noticed if you're a listener to this show. But we will be covering, uh, in a short space of time, I think Mega Man 1, 2, and 3, because you know when like we talk about games, oh, Kojima's in this game. Inafune is like a known... Kenji Inafune is like a known person, and this is really where he cut his teeth in gaming mm. across those three games, and we get to track his progression as a video game designer. Exactly, and it's in keeping with the ethos of the show, isn't it? So... Um... Though documenting those, not well, it's not always those important moments in history, but a lot of the stuff we look at is those sort of turning points where you've got these big games that are sort of seminal to to how games were were then yeah, made. Or from then on, group of games that are like, like I said, we're looking at a trilogy of games here, really. That mm. that's one story, a single story, but we're looking at it over three three games. Yeah. So uh, some context to where Mega Man Two fits into the rest of the. Uh, gaming universe. So the first issue of Nintendo Power launches of July in July of that year of 1988. Uh, Altered Beast comes out in arcades. EA we covered Altered Beast. That was our first first show. The yeah, it was Altered Beast. Yeah, feels um, like years ago, man. It does, and and obviously go back and check that out for our thoughts on on Altered Beast. Uh, EA releases Wasteland, um, one of our franchise you love. Now, there is a great game, and I didn't realise it was that far back that the first one started. So, yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. The the origin of um, that was believe I believe before Fallout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of the game that was supposedly yeah. inspired Fallout. So massive. Um, Enix releases Dragon Quest three. Now the the important thing to this one is Enix, no Square. <laughs> exactly, which was at the time it was SquareSoft. Indeed. So again, looking back before. A lot of people will have even realized that they were separate companies. Um, Doki Doki Panic revamped and released as Super Mario Brothers 2 in the USA. There you go. Nice. Uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link came out. 
Double Dragon 2, Final Fantasy 2 on the Famicom Disk System, and the Mega Drive launches in Japan. Wow. So what what um strikes me here, what this is really interesting thing, is just the number of second entries. Like, the NES had only been out for two years at this point. Uh, three years. It was coming into its third year. And we've got a lot of games that are already becoming established franchises very, mm. very fast. You look at that turnaround compared to now. Yeah, you look at, like, GTA now and the, the turnaround time on getting a sequel out for that. Yeah, I mean, but even if you take something that's probably more akin to where Mega Man stacked up, which may be something like your Uncharted game. Like, it's mm. a AAA game back then, but it's not It's not a GTA. GTA is like a... That's such yeah. a rare example, I guess. But True. it is like a Resident Evil or something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I guess they're churning them out every couple of years, but they've got multiple development teams working on us. We're going to get into the development of this game. They had they, not only did they not have multiple development teams, but they weren't even really allowed to work up the game. Yeah, yeah, quite. It's it's crazy, isn't it? But this, so the development of this game. So if we want to talk now about sort of where this game came from, well, the first game actually Mega Man released in 1987, as you'll you'll find out on the the, uh, the show from Series One. Um, but they decided that it wasn't successful enough to justify the immediate development of the sequel. So Tom, like talk us through then what happened to, to, to make them rethink that. Yeah. So as we spoke about um, Mega Man one, it didn't, it didn't land as a banger and Mega Man two and three are commonly regarded as the, the definitely the best, most well-remembered in the series. Yeah. Uh, you know, when people go, what are the best? They're, these are the ones that come up from time and time again. Now, I think actually, it's more the question that people. When you ask someone what's the best Mega Man, people answer the question, "What's your favorite Mega Man?" Yeah, and a yeah, lot yeah. more goes into something being your favorite than something just being categorically the best. And that's the difficulty we have when we're looking at old games all the time. I'm like, Dark Souls is the best game ever, but really, Bloodborne is fucking better. If you're if looking you're, at that style of game from a technical like, perspective. Not, not just from a technical perspective, actually. It's just a better game all around. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, basically, it just didn't land with a big enough bang to justify a sequel. Capcom weren't going to green like that. But um, Akira Kitamura, who... He, he wanted to make the sequel to Mega Man, but the producer, uh, Takuro Fujiwara, was against it. Now, you you can go back and listen to all these names. And just as a caveat, we covered the origins of Mega Man and the development in a lot more detail in the first episode... What I think we're going to cover in this episode, we're going to cover the story that leads to the development of Mega Man 2, but then we're going to look at the story of Mega Man and the you know the fictional world of Mega Man quite a lot. Yeah, in this I story. think that's important for... And, and flesh out some of the stuff we didn't cover in the first episode. Yeah. Kitamura wants to make the sequel, and Fujiwara was against it. So Kitamura goes straight to the Capcom vice president and says, I, I want to make this game. And Capcom say, look, okay, you can do it, but on the condition that you work concurrently on other projects as well. And they're a bit sneaky about this because what they do is they say, yeah, all right, you can do it, but you've got to work concurrently on other projects. What that actually equated to is you can do it for free in your own time. Fair. I mean, that's like, I guess, yeah, you've got to have the, the, the real drive to want to do it then. So you can work well, on it, but we ain't paying you. Yeah, because when they say do it concurrently, they're not saying, but we're going to delay that other project mm. six months to allow for this. Because, you know, you can't just fit another game in. Yeah. So what the, the team do is they, they end up just basically spending their own time on this. But the team who worked on it, Inafune and Pals, are, um, and Inafune is the name that's, that's most famous and perhaps overly credited for, for the development of Mega Man without, without 
I'm not shitting on him there, but he wasn't, you know, he was he was an artist at the time on this. Yeah. And didn't become producer actually until Mega Man 8. Really? Okay. Yeah, and people wow. assumed that by the second or third he was kind of team leader on this. Right. Okay. So they work there in time, and they, what they want to do is, one thing they try to do is improve the graphics, which I think they do successfully. Yeah, I agree. And another thing they try to do is expand on the number of weapons and gadgets. Again. And succeeded. add more levels. Yeah. Well, they, they did all of those. <laughs> they did do all of those, and as we'll find out later on, in my opinion, that the part of that wasn't necessary, i.e. like the more levels thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, quantity doesn't always overdo quality, but uh, overall, they, they did a very good job of doing what they had set out to achieve. The project supervisor of the first Mega Man invites Inafune onto the development crew of the second one. Inafune is working on a separate game at the time, which we'll talk about more about Inafune in other episodes. But on on a pre- the previous game, Mega Man One, Inafune is an artist and character designer, but he starts to become more involved in production process of the sequel. So this is where you start to see his trajectory that leads him up to being producer as opposed to just artist, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think when you get a producer who's formerly an artist and understands the art process, that leads to great things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they can build it from the ground up. So, well, And also, they just have that appreciation for the time it takes and the importance of the artistic vision. True. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, that working up from the ground. You've been there on, on the, the ground, and you, you know you're not just some suit who's come in. And, well, that's the thing. It's the same same in any job, isn't it? You work your way from the ground up to being a manager. You know how to do that job. You know what makes it tick. Uh, and so that you're in the best position to make those executive calls. So, yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, so, Inafune says, working on Mega Man 2 marked my second year at this. And even and I even got to mentor a new kid, which opened a whole, whole new world of stress for me. Uh, so, the development time for this game ad was three to four months in total. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Now, when we played through this, um, we both levied a little criticism on the game. We did, yeah. Which I think, which we'll we'll come into, and I think you know, criticism is criticism. It doesn't matter what what situation it's under. The end product is what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that, they made it in maybe twelve to fifteen weeks. Yeah, as a side project as well. In their own time, as a side project. <laughs> yeah, going into the game. Knowing that, you'd, you'd probably color your opinion slightly differently. Um, and uh, people's opinions aren't different to ours because I, I am on the stance that Mega Man One is better. Yeah, and it, f- not from every aspect, and we'll get into this, but it's a, that from a design aspect is better. Um, and the vast majority of people disagree with me. Well, I'm not one of them because I, I raised that to you uh, whilst we were playing through yeah. this game in the week, and yeah, I, I'm fully in agreement. In terms of the level design, there's, there's a lot of stuff that 2 does better. So there's a limited amount of cartridge space, as we know, on the, on the NAS cartridges. So there was a lot of things omitted, like enemy characters and stuff like that. Um, and that was... Sorry, I'm talking about the first game now, Mega Man. There was omitted things, and the unused content was transferred to Mega Man. So this was like a time-saving thing they did. There was a lot of character sprites and things that they had made for the first game that just simply couldn't fit on. Right, okay. So they did transfer this information, and what a lot of the stuff you're seeing is cut content from the first game. Okay. Which makes sense why some of it's not the top-end content. Mm. Because, you know, when you've got 10 enemies and you've got to cut two, you're going to cut your worst two. That's the thing, and I guess why some of the levels aren't quite as clever as, as some of the levels in Mega Man 1. Or no, even they're bigger levels. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the the gameplay system from the original game is basically the same here. Uh, but the team have included more more traps for the players to navigate, and the th- there was um, three support items added uh, because basically there was complaints for the first game from the consumers that Mega Man too fucking difficult. There was a lot of and that. I, yeah, yeah. One of the key things that we we talked about when we reviewed the first game ad is that Mega Man is too difficult because of Wily's Castle. The idea of having eight levels that you can complete in any order. Um, baits the difficulty argument that makes it great it can be difficult if you do it like that Yeah. by adding f- uh, a final level that's essentially 50% of the game <laughs> it, it makes the balances off of these Mega Man games yeah it absolutely does and it doesn't um, seem like um, well we're, we're going to talk about the, the gameplay and, and how it's, we it. they, they, they kept that for this game that same system where essentially almost 50% of the game is bundled into that last level mm-hmm um, but what they did is they added three support items. So you've got energy tanks and different bits and pieces like that, which allow you to, to, to you know, re- restock your energy and health and stuff at different stages. Now, the big story for this, which I really like about Mega Man 2, is obviously there was no fans during the first game. But by the time the second game comes around, there's, there's fans. So Kitamura wants to get ideas from players. So they, allowed, they had a design competition uh, for boss, for robot masters. And uh, they had 8,370 submissions. And their final eight robot masters were all um, designed by by fans of the first game. That's amazing. That's really. And this cool. became the yeah. This generally became the thing that Mega Man did from then on. That's ace. That is really which ace. I really like. Yeah, that's um, that's great fan service. And and also and they, they, they tweak them and you know reimagine the concepts, but but fundamentally those are fan designs, which is incredible. Yeah, really cool thing to, for the, for a company to be doing. Um, was was anyone else doing that at the time? I can't. I wouldn't have thought so. So no, I haven't heard of anything like this. Um, the the time that I've seen this have a bit of a resurgence now is with games that are launched on Kickstarter. Yeah, well, if you where you can at- pledge a very high level and then get so. When you look at Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which was a Koji Igarashi game, Koji Igarashi was the Castlevania guy, right. Yeah. And he's done a Bloodstained uh, Ritual of the Night, which is a game I would really love to cover with you if you're up for that at some point. Damn right. And it's a, it's a spiritual successor to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is another game we will cover, which is the Castlevania equivalent of Super Metroid. It's like the perfect Castlevania game. Ace. Uh, they offered things where you could get your portrait on a painting in the castle. That's or awesome. Help, or help design an enemy, but you had to pay a, a Kickstarter pledge. Nice. I'm in the credits on that game for my Kickstarter pledge. Really? Oh, that's so yeah. Cool. It's like, but it's just like under the our Kickstarter support. Doesn't matter. Like, that's ace. But yeah, I'm permanently like in Bloodstained Ritual. You're enshrined. I think the only game I can think of recently that's sort of done that no, sort I'm of thing in the is. For. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm not in any credits for any games, unfortunately. <laughs> Doom. <laughs> yeah. Metal Gear Solid. Me and Hideo are good buddies. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the game that I can think of most recently that gave that opportunity to fans to create stuff is Four Guys. Um, they yeah, like sure good example. Yeah, yeah. So you know it, it does happen, and, and I guess maybe this is where it started, or certainly one of the games where it started. But it started; it didn't carry on, and then it's coming back. And like Kickstarter is the obvious thing for it, isn't it? You can pay for the game, or you can pay to have your name in it. You can pay to have your picture in it. You can design an enemy, design a boss, whatever. It's so cool, awesome, and. We're going to cover Bloodstained and stuff like that because, man, this fucking is so, so good. Uh, 
so Infinity also wanted his, his artwork to be more anime-ish, uh, which I think, to me, doesn't personally come across in the sprites because we're still looking at 8-bit sprites here, yep. and the sprites in Mega Man are small. It's hard to get any of that anime character art over to a, a sprite that small, I think. Yeah, but when you look at some of the drawings in the manual and stuff, and, and obviously all the, the artwork that he did around it, all the concept artwork and stuff, it's... It's, it's very animated. Now, the other thing that was interested here, there's a, the North American release gets a second difficulty set in, as did the PAL version, which was a... So they, they labeled the original version as difficult. So we played the normal version ad, which is not the normal version. Difficult is the normal version. Ah, okay. Because we right. both said, oh, this game is far easier. But we were basically playing easy mode. Okay. Well, I'm cool with that because I needed to get through it. But yeah. Um, we'll talk about difficulty, but I think there was some, this. This hit a sweet spot for the Robot Masters for me. Yeah, it, it, the level of challenge from Mega Man One to Mega Man Two I found to be vastly different. But maybe that that now accounts for that. Okay, it does. And I guess that if if we were to, talking about just the eight Robot Masters, um, forgetting Wily's Castle, it would probably be a bit too easy on normal mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I could actually I could actually beat it, and that says it's too easy. <laughs> Okay. Well, it does for like a 1988 Nesgate. Yeah. That's got to last you a year and you've got to master this thing. Yeah. And to be able to Because we're still in the area of becoming a master at a game. It's something we don't do now. I'm like, oh, if the game's too hard, I go fucking easy mode it because I want to push on. Um, I used to I used to learn games like intricately like this. Well, yeah, you had to, didn't you? That was Because that was all you were playing for months. So just wrapping out the development, because there's no major stories here. These are just interesting factoids. But the soundtrack was composed by Takeshi Tatishi, who's credited as Origetsu-kun. Um, Mega Man composer um, Manami Matsume, credited as Manami Leto, co-composing a minor part of the melody for Air Man stage. So you've got, you've got the Mega Man composer returning, but only for a minor part. Um, as with the previous game, the same programming is handled by Yoshiro Sakaguchi, credited as y- uh, Yuki-chan's papa. Can I just say, Tom, your pronunciation is on point tonight. Well done. It's, it's difficult, though. Veteran video game cover illustrator, Mark Erickson. Oh, before we get onto this, so what do you think, what do you notice here is that they, they're all credited as someone else. And as we mentioned before, that was uh, the standard thing back then because they didn't want other developers poaching their talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your name was always, you always had like a pseudonym in the the credits, which was kind of an interesting mm. thing around game development at that time. So the cover illustrator, Mark Erickson, paints the North American box art. If you scroll up in the Google Doc we've got here, Ad, I've got the North American box art on the left and the PAL box art on the right. So you can tell the difference. Here's a little interesting thing for you. See the Nintendo seal of quality? Mm-hmm. The yeah. oval one and the round one. A lot of people say, oh, you can recognize that that game's fake because the seal of quality is round, not oval. But actually, in the PAL releases, they were always round and they were oval in the American releases. Right. Nothing so I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, for, yeah, it's just a little retro game collecting thing, that is. It doesn't really kind of well, tell you that much from what's fake. So Ericsson designs the, the North American box art. And <laughs> he says, he's got Mega Man firing a pistol instead of the Mega Buster. And Erickson explains that he had never seen or played the game, but he was told that he used the pistol. <laughs> uh, why as a company would you say, right, can you design this cover for do us? Do you remember the box art for I, Mega Man 1? I do, yeah. It was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I mean, at least they got the colour right this time. He's not yellow. 
<laughs> yeah, quite. But he's got a black pistol, like like a PP7 or something. Why is why would Capcom and go? And he's got why has he got a visor and like he's a human as well, which is yeah, he's a human in both of them. But then also the um the artwork for Mega Man Two, the PAL version, looks like something from Flesh Gordon. <laughs> It really does. What is it looks that? Like some seventies porn parody <laughs> with his dick arm, <laughs> metal dick arm. Uh, Capcom, what's, was... that little, what's that little face next to his shoulder? <laughs> I didn't notice that. What is that? The Mega Man box art continues to horrify. Like, and yeah. have you seen what it says on the the power release? What does it say just on the Mega Man on the left? I can't fucking read that. Where is it? Oh. Just where it says Mega Man, just on the left, next to high resolution graphics. What's state of the art? State of the art. <laughs> that was a classic phrase from back then, wasn't it? State of the art graphics. So basically, neither of these covers represent the game. Again. Slightly. They, they I mean, learned. The Mega Man's a wrong color. He's fucking silver. They, they learned nothing from the first release. <laughs> right. You know, least... they better? They're, they're better than the first one, but they're bad in this. Like, but show know, show the fucking artist the game. <laughs> like, give them some reference points. Like, it doesn't make any sense, right, Tom? That that pretty much wraps it up for uh, Mega Man's Mega Man Two's background and development. Um, so the important thing that we're going to talk about, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is uh, the story around Mega Man as a as a character, as a series, uh, what's going on in the story? What, why, you know, why is he in this world fighting these these robots? So, yeah, I think as part of that, what we've got here that that we're going to talk about is we're going to get onto the Mega Man Two story. We're going to have a recap of Mega Man One, but we're also going to go back and look at because when Mega Man came out, Mega Man One, we read you the story that was in the manual. Exactly, and we said at this point, that's all you'd know. By the time Mega Man Two comes out, there's a bit more stuff. There's Nintendo powers explaining things. They're starting to flesh out a bit of lore. Now, we're going to get a bit ahead of ourselves and probably start telling you things that you wouldn't have found out until the fourth or fifth game in the series. But we thought it's a good chance to just flesh out the world of Mega Man. Exactly, yeah. So just to give some context to it. So to understand Mega Man's story, you've got to look back at the at the events which occur before the game even takes place. Uh, so talking about Mega Man here. So that begins in the mid-20th century with the birth of Thomas Light and Albert W. Wiley. So this is like the prologue to the first game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is where it all came about. So these men would attain, attend the same university, the Robot Institute of Technology, and Ripped. study <laughs> nice studying in the field of electronics and eventually receiving PhDs in that subject. Um, some years later, Dr. Light formed a laboratory with the ambition to use computer and electronic technology to benefit mankind in the coming era. So he's obviously... Imagine, imagine submitting that as your thesis. They'd be like, can you put, can you put a fence around that research, please? Because that's a little a little broad. And would you like to maybe scale it back a little? Because I'm going to use computers to benefit people. <laughs> can you, and, yeah. thus, and thus, U-Porn was born. Please hone in on something. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> maybe that's why Dick Arm came about Not in the Dick cover. Dick Arm <laughs> So Dr. Wiley, on the other hand, he was now, he was something different altogether. He was tired of being one step behind Dr. Light and constructed a secret robot factory in the Pacific, as you do when you're studying a PhD. (laughs) With with his spare cash. (laughs) And he began away a plot to conquer 
the world. <laughs> I've got to love the ambition. Yeah. PhD students are so full of shit. They're right? they're not in the, even in the real world. <laughs> like one's going to benefit humankind, and the other's going to like get real. You're probably going to finish and get a fucking admin job or like in a call center. <laughs> Doctor Wiley, this is the problem with university culture. Ad, everyone goes there thinking they're going to end up great. Delusions of grandeur—that is the problem. So, Doctor Light made his first leaps in the field of robotics, creating various robots to benefit mankind. So, he achieved his goal. Like fair play to him. (laughs) Then he made fucking guts, man. What does he even do? He lifts stuff. (laughs) So, but Light also realised the potential of the projects he created. So. He wanted to create robots that weren't robots, but that were human-like robots. Um, and he wanted to build robots that contained AI within them. Aye. Aye. Brap. <laughs> Bad ting. And thus, Dr. Light produced the first Ali G robot. <laughs> Dr. Light <laughs> produced the first of such robots, who was called Proto-Man. Yeah, we'll, we'll come with Proto-Man's features big in later Mega Man games. Yeah, so he was the base design of the Sniper Joe robots. I'm sure we'll come onto those as well. Um, but was instilled with artificial intelligence, unlike anything the world had ever seen. Yet, Proto-Man possessed a sense of true independence, or a true sense of independence, I should say, uh, which made him much more like true human beings. And when it came to light that Proto-Man had a faulty power generator, he misunderstood his creator's intentions, thinking that repairing him would take away his individuality. And because oh, of this, he ran away from the oh, lab. This is this is such a woke narrative. Well, it's kind of like a little bit uh, be, uh, Detroit be, be, become human. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, the prerequisite to that game. Um, so even in the wake of this disaster of his robot running away, he did not give up. Did Doctor Light? Uh, he set up. Uh, he later set to working on a pair of robots, thinking that two was better than one, and they'd work together to overcome the independence issue. These became the Arnolds in in a Metal Gear, maybe. Rock and roll. <laughs> That's what they were called. Rock and roll. Great name. Uh, Rock became the new lab assistant and Roll became a housekeeper. So, <laughs> fucking this, hell. This, yeah. this, this is the thing, though, isn't it? It was rock, roll, bass. It was... Uh... Do, you want a, do you want a little funny interjection here? Go on. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah. I'd like to The Unnecessary Podcast, hosted by Pat Contry and another dude who's not important enough to remember um retro gaming show other dude works in a game shop and he was he he's a bit of like an intolerable nerd and i love him for that like he'd be really fucking condescending to you and um he was saying that he's working in this game shop and some like chicks in there and she's like oh look mega man and mega man and bass and he's like this is like her boyfriend's like it's actually mega man and bass (laughs) and then like little shopkeeper walks over he's like actually it's Mega Man and Bass because he called him Rock Roll and Bass and just like shoots this guy down in front of his girlfriend and just drops out the shop. Boom. I'm like, yeah, I love things like that. Nice. It was like there was so there were so many stages of unnecessariness in that story. Like none of them needed to do any of what they did. <laughs> nice. Well there were so many dicks being dicks to each other. In a world of dicks, be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, really an inch and a half away from being a dick. Exactly. With the success of the project of creating rock and roll, the good doctor went. The good doctor went on to create six more robots, each for industrial assistance purposes. And this is where we get uh, Cutman, Gutsman, Iceman, Bombman, Fireman, and the prized Elecman. So there you go. That's I've got what they... a feeling whether Robot Master is better in this game or Mega Man One. 
Mega Man One for me. You think so? I still think so. I love the Mega Man One Robot Masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love them. They're cool as fuck. I will come on to why uh, a little bit later, but uh, so that that was the background to um, Doctor Light's story, and then Doctor Wily's still lurking in the background here, and he's finally had enough of living in the shadow of his former colleague. And uh, after Light received the Nobel Prize as well as well as winning the Lit Manual Design Contest, <laughs> Lit, uh, that drove him over the edge, uh, and Wily realised that. Uh, that he could realize the potential of the full potential of robots with AI and that they could be used for other means. So that's all the shit that goes down before Mega Man one. Yeah. That's the backstory. So Tom, do you want to talk us through then where we are now and where that leads us into Mega Man? Should we do Mega Man one and two then? Okay. So Mega Man one, just as a recap, and we covered this back then, so I won't dwell too long in a bit. We pick up and Dr. Wiley has stole and reprogrammed all of Dr. Light's industrial robots. And you only told this through the manual. So there's very sparse information around this. But unwisely, he missed Rock and his sister Roll. I like that she became a cleaner and he became like a fucking superstar. As the help of robots did not suit his needs, Dr. Light discovers that his former colleague was to blame. Uh, with Wiley on the loose and an army of intelligent and powerful robots, Light knows that the world's police forces and armies weren't ready to deal with this new challenge. It was thus that Rock, the lab assistant, volunteered to be converted into a fighting robot. Rock's got a strong sense of justice, and he couldn't sit by and watch his father's work get destroyed before his very eyes. As such, on May the 25th, 2000, X, <laughs> Light reluctantly converted the former lab assistant robot lab assistant into a robot of unimaginable potential. I like that he doesn't have unimaginable power. He just <laughs> might have it one day. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have oh, oh, Boss, do I have unimaginable power now? He's like, not yet, but you have unimaginable potential. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or kind not. Kind of true, because he picks up all the, the power-ups as he goes through. Um, Rock, equipped with the Ceritanium armor and Mega Buster, Rock became known as the Super Robot Mega Man, or Rock Man in Japan, and set out for Willy's Fortress to stop Willy taking over the world. <laughs> so that was the first thing. And when we, we beat the eight Robot Masters, we beat the Willy machine. Yellow Devil. Beat all that shit. So after we beat him, Wiley, Mega Man 2 takes place one year after the original Mega Man. And after his initial defeat, Dr. Wily, the series' main antagonist, creates his own robot masters. So this time, in the first game, he's stolen them. And in the second game, which is quite cool because the fans have created these then. These are Wily's creations. Yeah, that is so, really cool. So it's kind of like, it's almost like you've got Inafune and team being Dr. Light and then like, the fans creating Wily's Robot Masters in an attempt to counter Mega Man. So he's created Metal Man, Air Man, Bob Man, Quick Man, Crash Man, Flash Man, and Heat Man, and Wood Man. So they're quite cool. I like the Robot Masters in this game too. Uh, he constructs a new fortress, an army of robotic henchmen, and Mega Man is then sent by his creator, Dr. Light, to defeat Dr. Wily and the Robot Masters. He defeats the Robot Masters, challenges Wily himself, during the final fight, Wily flees into the caves beneath his fortress. This is why they're at level so bloody long. Mm. And this is what's cool. He attempts to trick Mega Man into thinking he's an alien. And that reveal at the end was so awesome in this game. And we'll get on to that. I really, really loved the whole Wizard of Oz thing that was going on there. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, and it reveals the alien was actually a holographic projection device, which malfunctions showing Dr. Wily the controls. So that's basically what happens when you beat the final boss, is, which is an alien. On a completely black background, it reveals that it was actually a small, like, holographic generator being mm-hmm. controlled by Wally. Yeah, yeah. It's and a very, very Wizard of Oz moment. Great idea. And to think they came up with all of that 
in four months is exactly yeah. Crazy. And then Wiley begs for mercy, and and Mega Man instead of shooting him in the face, she should have done. Goes, all right, yeah, it goes all right. And that might all go. <laughs> and that's the end. And you see him walking <laughs> off into the distance. Uh, so that that is really wrapping up what the story is all about here. So Doctor Wiley's gone off on his own, and he's now out to uh, to seek his ultimate goal of taking over the world with his own creations. So um, gameplay on this, Tom. So as we've established, there's now eight robot masters instead of the, the initial six in the first game. Um, and from here on out in the series, that becomes a standard number for the game going forward. You mean it becomes the rigueur? Oh, yes, it does. Great word again. <laughs> it becomes the rigueur. <laughs> nice. I think each week we should try to introduce a new term to our listeners, something dick arm this week and shitheads dick arm. yeah all you shitheads out there i like so, shitheads yeah is that what we're gonna are we sticking with that we'll go yeah, we'll go good with evening, it. Shitheads. yeah i think so nice cool uh the next addition to the uh the, the design of this game was actually a password system um and as you mentioned earlier the upgrade items to keep you going through that ridiculously long final level um so, let's should we, should should we move we, on? We, well, right. What we're going to do? We're going to do what we did before. We're going to talk through. Yeah. So let's just go level by level. Briefly, I think because we've talked so much about the gameplay in the last ones, so let's just give our brief impressions on these. I reckon. I think. I yeah. Reckon. That's a. So you start us off, Tom. Let's let's go level one. Well, it doesn't well, mean there is no level one. Pick yeah, a level. This is kind of the order I did. I went Metal Man first. Metal Man's my favorite robot master in this game. It's also my favorite level. Um. Yeah, Metal Man is basically Cutman from the first game <laughs> in, in in a lot of essences, but he's instead of a pair of scissors on his head, he's got a, a circular saw blade. Yeah. It's a very cool level. It's the, the 90s factory level of every game. Um, what screws it up is you've got these conveyor, the, the platforms, the conveyor belts that go in different directions. Mm. And you've got these freaky, I, I screenshotted these little bad guys that look like little jack-in-the-box things that run on saw blades. They're freaky as hell. Yeah, hard to get um, past too. The levels are all very, very, very similar in terms of layout and composition and structure as the Mega Man 1 levels. Yeah. So I'm not going to go too deep into what all the levels are, but Metal Man's very cool. You get to the end, you're fighting him, he's throwing blades at you, you've got this conveyor belt which changes direction, that screws that up. He's quite easy because he has this repeat pattern, and he's worth doing it early on because his weapon is by far the most useful weapon in the game because you can shoot it in eight directions, and it's incredibly powerful against a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, great starter weapon to pick up, isn't it? And he's just, it's like super cool. He's like a red robot with yellow boots and a saw on his head. <laughs> I like how most of them always seem to have their weapon on their heads. For yeah, Mega that's, Man. that's been a thing in Mega Man, isn't it? Staple design, yeah. I have a circular sword, it's on my head. Um, yeah, cool level, cool level. Uh, so next up, we've, we've got Airman. Um, now, he's like a, a massive turbine slash fan, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, he's kind of a cool design, actually. I really like it. So he's, he's sort of a, a deep blue with, with yellow on him, a bit like Sonic. Um, and he's got an air shooter, but his weakness is the leaf shield. So if you've got that at this point from one of the enemies that we're going to talk about later on, that fucks him right up. Uh, but the level yeah, on so this... I don't, I don't like the level because of these... I've screenshotted here these floating head platforms <laughs> with the little drills on the side. Yeah. I always find them a twat to jump over. They are really hard to time right because you've also got other enemies attacking you as you try and time the jump. So you're more than likely going to get hit or get knocked off the platform. So, yeah, very, very tough level to get through. Um, and the fight at the end is hard to avoid because he fires out a number of tornadoes at you. And some of them are almost unavoidable. 
It's a bit crap, isn't it? The boss battle. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the, the best. Sp- the sprite of Airman looks really cool. He really does. Yeah, he's one of the best looking in the game. Um, so yeah, ne- that, that's that's Airman, Bubble Man. Next time, talk us through him. So little green and green and grey dude with flippers. I like that he's got flippers. <laughs> so he gives you uh, a weapon called the Bubble Lead or the Bubble Bubble Lead. I've never known what this is called. And he's weak against a metal blade. It's the underwater level, but very reminiscent of um, parts of of Mega Man One. It's part underwater and part with a waterfall as a backdrop. And one thing I've got to say is the waterfall as a backdrop is one of the most visually oppressive game backgrounds I've ever seen. It's garish, isn't it? It's really, really oh, cool. it's awful. Um, I, I do like this this level. I like the big fish that are sort of marooned on the, the, the bottom of the seabed. Um, what I really don't like about it is there's a lot of spiky balls on the ceiling in a lot of areas, which means you have to be very, very careful how... You, much you jump because they're, they're like instant death. And of kind course, of you know, being a, a water level, your jump is also affected by it. So you've got to just, you know, as you say, be very, very careful not to jump into those. It's, it, and there's some sections of that where you're dropping through them and stuff that it's it, oh, it's really precarious. So, yeah, not my favorite level. It's it's okay. It's it's a fine level. The boss fight's pretty easy as long as you've got the metal blade. Yeah. So he's like he's, very easy, like a few hits, like a couple of hits. He's fully weak to that, isn't he? So, uh, next up, Quick Man. Uh, so this oh, guy, hold on, I, I wanted oh, to do something. I'm sorry, sorry, yeah. And I, I realized, no, this is on me. I realized I hadn't done this. I wanted to, rather than going too much into the gameplay because we've done that, and I'm going to just go back and do it with these three. This is my bad. I wanted to tell you what these robots were designed for. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Metal Man, he's the first robot designed by uh, Dr. Wiley, created specifically for combat. Now, if you remember in the first game, none of them were created for combat. Yeah. So he's created specifically for combat, and his design is based on Cutman. All right? Okay. Okay. Then we've got Airman. So I'm just on the wiki here looking at these different things. So uh, Airman's created, again, specifically for combat, and has his face put into his torso instead of his head, which is funny, an unusual design to be... Uh, built to be intimidating, the body is supposedly worked out so well from a design perspective that it was dubbed the Airman type design and would be used for the basis of future creations such as Needleman. Ah, okay. It is a really good cool design. There is things to see, like in the first game, when you see many Gutsman prototypes in the factory, that all of these robot masters are mass produced, mm. which is why you have to face them all again when you enter Wily's Castle. Yep. So, Bubble Man, who we're on now, we've got. Uh, He was the first aquatic robot created by Dr. Wily for underwater combat. However, a defect in his systems made him unable to walk on land, being only able to move by jumping akin to that of a frog. Ah, that's pretty and cool. And Wily noticed this, he couldn't help but laugh. Look <laughs> <laughs> what I've done. I fucked up. <laughs> Look at you, you cripple. <laughs> Sorry about that. So we are back at Quickman, who is one of the best looking uh, characters in the game. In my opinion, Quickman's fucking dope as hell. He looks like he looks just—he's the most anime-looking one. I was about to say, samurai eyebrow thing going on. Mm -hmm. If we're talking anime, he's—he's the quintessential anime character. Quickman, like seriously, the best-looking one in the game, and also really the best-looking one we've had so far in both games. Now, when we talk about level design as well here, Tom, now the cleverness of this level, like to. To be in keeping with Quickman, fuck me, do you have to move fast on this level to get through it? Yeah. You, you've got a lot of sections where you're falling and there's instant death laser beams shooting from side to side. You've got to dodge them all as you fall down. Yeah. It's insane. 
Uh, it took me a few. But it's also it's also insane, and we were using save states. If I was just playing this normally, I'd be pissed because you control. just have to learn it scene for scene. Yeah, and you have to know exactly where to fall and what it's angle. It's the cheapest to fall level at. by by miles because you're falling through a lot of it. Um, and this, yeah, well, it's just the, the cheap depths. You've got to learn it. There's no exactly, yeah. So, so probably one of the most frustrating levels initially for people playing this game in its original in its original form. Um, Looks beautiful though. I love the textures in this one. Very, very it's kind mechanical. of Geigery organic, bio organic kind of. Mm. It wouldn't be out of place in Faxanadu or something like that. His boss fight is actually, um, he jumps around a lot. Um, but well, it's He was manageable. based on the design of a Lekman. And you, you do get that. He's got electric attacks and stuff. So um, so what's cool about this ad is all of these robots, although Wiley designs them himself, he's nicked the idea from light. Yeah, he's he's always, never quite as brilliant as he wants to be, is he? He's, he's still like trailing in Dr. Light's shadow by making all of these. Cause he's nowhere near as brilliant as like Robotnik. No, Robotnik's genius. Flawed genius, but genius all the same. So the idea is Quitman's made of lightweight materials and allowing him to move at very high speeds, but this can be causing to be blown away by weapons such as Airman's air shooter. Okay, there you go. Although his weakness is Time Stopper and Crash Bomber. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I've never heard Airman shoot on him, but Time Stopper, obviously, because he moves so bloody fast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, the level design around that that concept is brilliant. Did you use the crash bomber cheese to, to beat him? Well, the way you do that is you shoot the bomb into the wall and then go and stand underneath it, and he jumps on top of the bomb, lands on it, and blows up. I didn't. I just shot the bomb. I did use the bombs, but I didn't use that. Yeah, that's so. how you do it with the bombs. Ah. Crash Man Tom, next. He's kind of cool. He looks ace. He looks like Captain Planet. He's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. <laughs> Hell yeah. Earth, fire, wind, water, heat. heart. No, it was heart. Yeah. What's a heart, was it? Yeah. That's the he shittest was one. He was not the last one. <laughs> oh, man. Together <laughs> we are. <laughs> I bet there's a Captain Planet game. Oh, if there is, we should play that for this because <laughs> I fucking loved Captain Planet. Oh, really? Yeah, as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. You're a fucking nonce. <laughs> hey, I was all about the eco warrior back then. You know, you're like, yeah, everyone else is like, oh, I love fucking Spider Man and Batman. You're like, oh, I like recycling. <laughs> I, I like love and <laughs> unity. Fucking hippie. Yeah, well, carry on anyway. Crash Man. Crash. Oh. He, uh, so he's in orange and white. He's, got, he's more of a sort of a spacesuity type standard design, isn't it? Uh, but he's got drills yeah, he's for got, arms. He's like drill arms. Uh, so he's based on the design of Bombman and Gutsman with, as a base of high speed and agility and the use of high explosives as a primary weapon. So he's like more based on, if you look at Bombman and Gutsman, they were the demolition robots from Mega Man 1. So you can see, I like the idea that they've they've kind of like didn't have a billion new things to do in Mega Man 2. So they worked at the story of like while he was copying Mega Man 1. Yeah. Well, it, it helps them in terms of the amount of time they had to do it, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but also these suggestions came from fans, so they've obviously picked ones that suited their narrative as well. Yeah. Um, the level's so bloody ugly, though. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It's like full of pipes uh, and ladders. It's it's really odd, actually. Um, it's a really, really ugly level. It looks like spaghetti gone wrong. It's pretty basic. Um, it looks like one of the levels they spent a lot less time on, put it that way. Uh, so, 
he's his weakness is uh, air shooter. So you hit him with that a few times, and he's done. Um, his fight isn't particularly inspiring either. Um, there's, there's not an awful lot to it. Uh, you can avoid his attacks pretty easily. So um, next up, Flashman. Um, wow, Flash. Oh, <laughs> oh savior of the universe. <laughs> Yeah, he so looks cool, man. Let me, just, let me just give you his shit. He's <clears throat> he's built by um, Wiley to challenge the everlasting idea of controlling time. Flashman's special weapon is the Time Stopper, a unique system that allows him to stop time for a brief period. So he's just, I think, one that um, a fan submitted and they went, yeah, maybe doesn't fit the narrative, but it's such a dope idea. Mm. He can pause the game, essentially. I, I, yeah, and the execution of it is, I mean, it, it's pretty cool, but I didn't find it super useful when I was playing. No, it's um, more useful once you pick the the weapon up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can it can be useful for certain boss fights, but yeah, but great design. He's sort of in blue and yellow. Um, he's got this sort of massive white gun on his arm. Pretty cool looking character. Looks a little like Metroid design, actually. A little bit like uh, Samus Aran. Oh, I get you. It's got it's got a bit of that vibe or something from Metroid in there. Yeah, uh, that level is really cool though. I like. Yeah, I love the level. It's like a maze, isn't it? And it's it's just, it feels like a bit of a Mario level in some respects. Yeah, there's a lot of platforming going on in there that's um, akin to Mario. Yeah, really like it. Great level. And there's there's some ways you can bypass enemies as shortcut because by this point, quite often you pick if you've picked up like the the wep- the um ability to generate platforms and the bombs to blow up the passageways and stuff. You can there's several different routes through this level that will avoid enemies. It's a cool bit of design as well. You know. That's pretty Probably awesome. one of the better design levels, to be fair. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Heat Man. <laughs> no, this is a bit of a weird one. Um, I don't... Oh, this is one of the best levels to play because it has block-to-block platforming. I love this. Which, again, you can bypass using what you just said, those platforms. But uh, mm. I didn't have them by this point when I played it. So, yeah, that block-to-block is, is really cool. And it works yeah, really that, well. That's kind of Mario-esque as well. Just like having single blocks to jump on. It becomes a very platformy game rather than a combat game at that point. It does. And there's a lot of um, working out to be done as well for the sequences. So blocks will disappear underneath you. You have to time your jump just right to get so that you land on the block that just is about to appear above your head, that sort of thing. Um, so Dr. Wiley based him on a Zippo lighter. Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense because he does look like a Zippo lighter. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So he's got this like gold Zippo frame around his body, which is, um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, his his weapon is atomic fire, and his weak li- weakness is the bubble lead. Um, it's not just fire; it's atomic fire. <laughs> yeah, so he's, you know, he's hardcore. Uh, Woodman. That's the next one up, Tom. He's just permanently got wood. <laughs> got wood. <laughs> and his, his skull fucks you to death with his boner. His weakness is dick arm. <laughs> Should we, like, let's cover Woodman who he is, and then I want to talk about the level, because this level is yeah. incredible. Yes. He's, yeah. like, I think, probably the best level like in terms of... So Woodman is a robot master using um, created by Wiley using natural Hinoki cypresses. He has a very unique design due to his body being made almost completely out of wood including some of his mechanisms, along with a thin coating of metal for extra protection. Because of this, Woodman has great strength and resistance against physical blows, but is somewhat slow and highly vulnerable to fire and cutting weaponry. There you go. So, so he, Woodman's a, he's a log. He's just he's fully just a log with arms and legs, yeah. Yeah. But what do you think about the level design here, Because right? this looks to me like something from Castlevania. 
Well, this is this is really the level where the design completely changes uh, to anything else that you see in the game. It's it's very organic, isn't it? Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The only thing this is lacking, if you look at that screenshot I put where you got the, the couple of vampire bats in the sky, you got this robotic rabbit, and you got the trees, and the trees are obviously in different layers. Can you imagine if we had the 16-bit version where the back layer of trees were parallax scrolling to the front layer? Yeah, that would look How awesome. incredible that, that the game would look at that point. It looked like something like Sonic the Hedgehog style. You know, um, absolutely beautiful looking level. And actually one of the best weapons to get in the game when you beat uh, Woodman. Cause he you has don't really the... use the leaf shield. Cause it's, just... oh, it's great yeah. because you've got the leaf shield and it obviously it makes you impervious and you can also fire at enemies as well. Um, one thing I like about this level lad, is you go into like underground areas or tree areas, but then you'll you'll be on like in like the forest floor. You'll go to an indoor area, but then you'll come out and you'll be in the treetops, and there's like monkeys. And mm. so there's, there's kind of a real sense of place here that you've moved from one area to another within the level. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other levels are like, oh, this is the theme of the level. Yeah, that's right. Whereas yeah. this one, this one, you know, that, that they feel like, oh, I'm in a dungeon or sort of thing. Whereas this feels kind of overworldy, like. I'm moving from one place to another. There's different parts of the level have really distinct feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think it's absolutely one of the best designed levels in both Mega Man and Mega Man 2. Um, yeah, I would probably say the best looking. Like, it's it's straight up there. Mm-hmm. Art, art design on this is top. Um, so once that that's your eight Robot Masters. Um, and obviously, as, as always, you can do them in any order. But the certified or so-called best order to beat them in uh, which I'll get now is is uh, supposedly Metal Man, Air Man, Crash Man, Bubble Man, Heat Man, Wood Man. Uh, where are we? And Quick Man, Flash Man. See, I think that on normal mode you can do it in almost any order. I did it in just a completely random order, and it was fine. Um, I think that when you play Mega Man One, you have to break the loop and figure that order out. And I suspect on difficult mode on this, which is normal mode in Japan, you would have to do the same. It kind of breaks the game a little bit by making it doable. But what it does, it means you can make it easier, even easier for yourself if you get the correct weapons. Well, and you can learn the game. Metal Man's weapon is just fucking useful on any stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it because of the multi-direction directional fire of it. And what I will so tell you about this game is it, it gives you way more health and energy pickups than the first game. Loads more, like loads more of the full health pickups as well. Yeah, and it means, but with the energy pickups, you used to have to like, oh yeah, I know this weapon's good against his boss, but I can't you, I can't use the weapon on the level because I need to save it for the boss. Yeah. Whereas now the weapons, once you've got Metal Man's weapon, you just use it for the fucking game. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's so many pickups, as you say. As long as you stop before the boss fight, you, you're fine. Uh. Now, that moves us on to Dr. Wily's castle. Um, so speaking of, of his castle, man, the, the design of his castle in this is really cool. Like Very cool. Much better than the first one. Yeah. Um, things, six, six sections this time. So you've got six sort of checkpoints to get through, yeah. Um, and I still find this... I'm, I don't think we're going to talk exclusively about all the different sections, but we will talk about the bosses that you meet during those sections. Um, but I think, again... They hadn't, as we talked about earlier, they hadn't learned from the first game that this section is just too long. My, that's my big problem is that, to me, Mega Man, when I think of Mega Man, I'm like, you know, it's like when someone says, oh, do you like Kill Bill? You think of part one. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. 
Like because part one has got seven or eight very distinct elements to it that are awesome. You've got the anime section, you've got all the samurai spy stuff. And part two is just this fucking drag that should have just been wrapped up in half an hour. It's exactly that, whereas the whole concept of the eight robot masters is so fantastic, so great how you could do it in any order. If you get stuck on one, you go and play the other. But then at the end, you're almost starting something that's a similar length to the game again, but you've got to do it all in one sitting. Yeah. And it's just too long. It's just far too long. There should be two bosses. You know, like Death Egg stage on Sonic 2. And I think that would make it... Yeah, exactly. It would make that... It would be still be a, a challenge. It would be a hell of a challenge. So they could even make the level, you know, a little bit longer before those bosses as well. No problem. But fucking the amount of bosses they put in this again was just ridiculous. So first of all, you come across. Uh, it, it just feels like once you finish the eight levels, you're only halfway through the game. I hate that. Mm. No, I agree. Because to me, when I finish those eight levels, I'm like, well, I'm turning it off. I'm not doing. I just don't do Wily's Castle Mega Man games. Mm. Yeah, I, I got so far in Wily's Castle this time, and just thought, no, I, I'm done. I'm done here. Uh, but I, I did watch the rest of it being completed by somebody else. It's not as hard as Wily's Castle Mega Man 1. Well, it doesn't have the Yellow Devil for a start. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, and also that stupid microwave robot thing. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So Mecha Dragon is the first one you come across. Now, this came out of nowhere. Like, the design for yeah, this thing... literally comes out of nowhere. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Is this a fan-designed enemy again? Because it's weird as hell. Um, I don't know if it was just the robot masters or not. What I will say with the enemies here is they they ventured into doing some big boy enemies for Wily's Castle, which they didn't do so much in the first game. Yeah, so this this Mecha Dragon fills up most of the screen. Um, it's, it's, it again looks kind of Metroid inspired. Yeah, uh, apart from the the, the, the weird colours on it, so it's like yellow, orange, and green, and blue. Um, but that you can beat that with your um, with your blaster pretty easily. You just got to avoid his like fireballs um well there's not much you can do because you've got three single block platforms you just got to stand on the top one jump over what he shoots and shoot him it's not exactly a challenge to beat him if you know the sequence um yeah it's more intimidating because you're jumping on these single platforms and all of a sudden there's a great big fuck off dragon behind you yeah exactly yeah, it's a bit of a shock it's bigger, than, it's bigger than anything you've seen in in apart from the final apart from Wally's machine Mega Man one mm. this is the biggest thing you've seen in the franchise yeah and he appears like that like he's there yeah damn right and then once you've beaten him and got through a bit more of the level, uh, you come across Pico Pico Kun. Now, which I think is short for Pico Pico Kunt. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could well be with a cunt with a K. So corn, corn made it. Uh, Did you see the the um, one of the competing Christmas number ones this year was by a band called the Cunts? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great song. <laughs> yeah. And it was called Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. <laughs> I've seen that band, you know. Have you? That doesn't. Yeah, they were actually they originally called they were originally called Cunt and the Gang, and I saw them in in uh, Bedford. <laughs> nice. And they did a really great song called Jimmy Savile and the Sexy Kids. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh God! Head in hands moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it, when I say it's a band, it's one guy and yeah. a ventriloquist dummy. With and some, a keyboard. Some great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Pico Pico couldn't. Uh, what is he, Tom? What is, tell us about him. I don't know. He's just like a webcam. <laughs> he does look like a webcam. <laughs> he's like a red uh, robot that can split he's like into a, it. He's like a kinky webcam with like studs. Studs on it. <laughs> a sex toy webcam. Uh, so he sort of splits in two. Uh and you have to avoid him coming back together into the middle of the screen or wherever on the screen and then shoot him when he's 
fully formed. So again, some level of challenge, but easy enough to get past when you know his moves. Guts Tank. Now this is uh, quite similar to Dr. Wily's... Uh, sorry, the final boss fight in Mega Man 1. Yeah, he's a guts man, but in tank form. He's got his massive underbite. He looks like um, fucking... Which one is it, Lenny or George? You know the one I mean. <laughs> yeah, Lenny. I'm not George. Yeah, he's got his big old underbite going on. He's he's proper from Nebraska, this boy is. <laughs> Sorry to any shitheads in Nebraska. <laughs> Continue. Tell us about him. Oh, I was just saying, he looks like a big dumbass. Okay. Well, he's basically a big tank with Gutsman's body on him. To beat him, you just jump <laughs> You jump on his uh, platform and basically spam shots at him, and and then he's pretty straightforward. Uh, then we have <laughs> possibly the best-named boss. God, Tom, take it away. What, what's the next one? Bo- booby arm trap or boob arm trap. <laughs> boob arm. Love it. <laughs> uh, boobs, lol. Oh, boobs. Uh, Tats. This is a bit of a weird boss, though. Um, because it's boobs and arms. <laughs> oh, tickle what is this? Is this like a motion sensor? It's Yeah, I don't really know. But you essentially have to like uh, blow up all the boob arms on the wall. Yeah, and you're, you're on one of those platforms that follows a squiggly track. To get to him, yeah. And then you're in a room with lots of different doors you have to blow up. Um, oh no, you are right. So yeah, the, the, the squiggly. I've screenshotted some bits here. That's right before him, isn't it? There's a whole load of that in there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of a weird boss. But I think they they're trying to like make these environmental bosses that aren't necessarily characters. Yeah, like you've got to get past wily security systems, and that's what I think this is. Is like it's it's almost his like final little uh, security system before you then get to go on to fight. His mass-produced robots again. So the <laughs> that's the next thing. So we've just done four new bosses. Then you have to fight all eight robot masters again. Now you've got to do this, Ad, in one sitting. It's already feeding like, like a I like, the way they, I like the way they present it here. Is that you come into a room, um, and then there's a teleport in each corner of the room, and you can do it in a certain or any order until you've done them all, and then you unlock the teleport to take you to Wily's final machine. Yeah. But yeah, you have to go and refight all the robot masters, as is de rigueur for <laughs> Mega Man games. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's. I mean, obviously in Mega Man 1, there's a set order that you have to do them in. They do give you an element of choice here, but it's a choice that you don't fucking want. Um, so yeah, once you've done that, you then get to go and fight Willy himself in his Willy machine. <laughs> yeah, and he's in a, like a robotic style spaceship here. Um this is very reminiscent of Willy Machine 1. Uh, so you, you jump and shoot him, and you, yeah, basically he's a big spaceship on hovering above the ground, fires the projectors, like you have to dodge him and shoot him. Where Mega Man 2 gets creative and where I like it, where the bit I like of Wily's Fortune is you beat that, and then you get to this other level where you're running through a cave with like fire dripping with this really weird noise, by the way, when it oh. drips. It's like bling, bling, bling. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and he comes with an alien that you have to fight. And he's just like some traditional long-headed green alien with this ribcage exposed, but you're on a totally black background, and he just kind of moves around. You have to just just dodge his bullets and shoot him. It looks quite easy to do, but it's actually not that easy to do mm. um, because his projectiles fire pretty fast. But this is what we talked about first. When you do finally beat him, the lights come on, 
and you've got Dr. Wily and some little like control altar yeah. controlling it. And there's like this giant disco ball above. And then this little like node that's moving around that tells you oh, that was regenerating the the projection of the alien. It was all a, it was a holographic projection. And yeah, Wiley was like pranking you the whole time with this one. A little bit like uh, Spider Man Far From Home. Have you seen it? I haven't watched that yet. Okay. Well, I've just spoiled it for you. <laughs> what, The Wizard of Oz shows up? Basically, yeah. You Go and watch it. It's a very good film. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the little twist. Which, and... which bird in this one? Is it Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane? Oh, I can't remember. I think it's it's oh, Mary Jane, but she's like, she's an alternative Mary Jane where she's a bit of a, you know, rebel, hardcore, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything type character. Man, has there ever been anything as good as superhero movies apart from after the MJ kiss in Spider-Man 1. <laughs> it was pretty the rainy, pretty cool. The rainy, the rainy nipples kiss, man. The ra- is that how it's referred to in movie circles? Ah, I, th- I, think, I think that's the official name. Rainy nipple kiss. The drippy nips. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That is the full run-through of Mega Man 2. And... Uh, fucking nice. We've gone over an hour, but like there was a lot to cover here because... We, we, because we went back and did the whole story of Mega Man. Exactly. Which I think is important. We are running long, we are running, but it's fine because this is an important game to be looking at. Um, so let's just briefly touch on the reception of, of this one as compared to the first, because the first game had relatively low sales, didn't it, Tom? So, uh, yeah, as we alluded to earlier, it wasn't going to get greenlit for a sequel. This was, came from the team pushing for it. Yeah, so... Conversely, though, Mega Man 2 was a huge success because they built that fan base up, because they had the people sending in the designs for the characters. People were hyped for it, obviously. Um, and since its release in 1988, it's, it's gone on to sell. It's a fucking dope game, and it's a sequel to a fucking dope game. It is. So people knew what Mega Man was by this point, so they understood you know, what was coming and, and how fun it was going to be, particularly those first eight bosses. Um, and it's gone on to sell 1.5 million copies worldwide since its release, which is pretty damn, damn good. Um it's the highest selling game in the Mega Man series. And it's actually Capcom's 41st highest selling game for a game yeah, that came out. Compare, in... When you look at like Capcom having all the Resident Evil franchise and everything now, that's it's high that's price. Quite high up. Because like people didn't there wasn't as many people with games consoles back then. Quite. Yeah, yeah. And it's it... one point five million was a big number. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard to sort of look back now and say one point five million a big number, but back then it really was. Um and Mega Man two is actually really Highly praised amongst critics. Um, so Electronic Gaming Monthly's four reviewers, Steve Harris, Ed Semrad, Don Nowert, and Jim Alley, rated the game favorably. So they stated it was better than the first Mega Man, citing the improved audiovisuals, new power-ups, and password system. Nort and Alley, however, expressed disappointment that the game was less difficult than the first game. I understand and that to a degree. I also had kind of a similar reaction to it. I was like, oh, that was a lot easier than... The Mega Man, one. yeah, which isn't actually what you want. No, I want it to be harder to beat. Um, but well, just so let's get onto our reviews in a minute because, yeah, I want to talk to you in detail, uh, brief detail about our reviews of this because well, I've got some opinions. We'll go through a couple of other reviews that were f- sort of from the time. So, Nadia Oxford of oneup.com complimented it's Do you a think that was Nadia from American Pie. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, maybe. Oh, Jim. You have seen me. <laughs> no. Touch me, Jim. <laughs> I believe shaved is the expression. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Horrendous. That, 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 that made many a 15-year-old boy quiver. With excitement. When we were at school. It did. So, 
awful. I would have stuck my dick in a pie as well. <laughs> that is definitely something you would have done. <laughs> Man. I never actually did that. I'm trying to think if I've what's the weirdest thing I've stuck my dick in as a teenager. <laughs> I didn't. Hang on. <laughs> Let's mull on that for a second and get through these reviews, all right? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Poor impressions and Tom's penis aside, Nadia of OneUp.com complimented. The only thing I just stuck my dick in was Mega Man 2. <laughs> I give it a 7 out of 10. Oh, God. So she complimented its aesthetics and gameplay and further stated that Mega Man 2 improved the gameplay of its predecessor by removing excessively difficult elements. So she was pretty like. Complimentary of the difficulty curve going down. Fuck yellow, the yellow devil's gone. Well, I think everyone was pleased by that. Surely, Meme Machines two reviewers Julian Rignall and Matt Regan post praise several aspects of the game. Rignall lauded the gameplay, citing its addictiveness and the puzzles, and also praised the difficulty, calling the gameplay balanced. Both reviewers complimented the graphics, calling them detailed and stunning, and described it as a great platform game. So there you go, well received, pretty much all round. Only gripes being. Possibly that the game was slightly less difficult than the first. Tom, over to you. What what were your thoughts? Okay, so I think that, and I've, I've mentioned this earlier, that this the split of the Robot Masters and the amount of content of the Robot Masters, the content on Dr. Wally's stage, bugs me to a point that it de-elevates this game from greatness to me. Not just the game, the series itself. Now, I'm not saying it's not great. It was, of course, a fucking great series. This is amazing. But it just... That's a really bad split they have. It's a really bad balance. The bulk of the game should be the Robot Masters. Wily stage should be the final stage. It feels. It just always feels like you're the Robot Masters. It, even to a point, Ad, when you beat the eight Robot Masters on this, you get a little cutscene that says you beat level one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just, I love that element of the game so much. That's what Mega Man's known for: is the multi-choice levels that for it to be so insignificant to the overall picture of the game that half the bosses are locked into the final stage, it's just the wrong decision. It always has been to me. Well, I would have rather they took away... Now, I almost feel like we've done a full loop back to where we ended up after Mega Man 1, um, where we said the same thing. Where well, It's the same problem, that's why. Yeah, it, it really is, and they should have learned from that. But again, perhaps that development time was just like, right, we just want to keep to the same formula and just upscale no, it. It just feels like they just kept adding shit at the end that they didn't need to. Mm. Like webcam and motion sensor could have gone. Oh yeah, absolutely, they could have gone. No need like, for those. I would have said final level. Maybe you have the three. Maybe you have dragon, Wily's machine, and the alien. But I would have just said Wily's machine and alien. Yeah, that would have worked. It was a great twist as well, and, and have a big fuck off level to get to it. Like a, a level that's fifty percent longer than the robot masters level. So make it like a robot master level that's twice as hard and fifty percent longer. Yeah, that works. That, a that... really hard final level. Mm-hmm. And as as you say, the satisfaction is in is in getting through. I would have taken it if they'd made the game take away that easy mode, get get rid of that, and just have the one mode and make the levels how they want to make them, and you have to get through those. And as you say, then move on to that slightly longer final level with that brilliant but twist not, at the end. What it is, yeah, yeah. The twist at the end is very cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, gameplay wise, Ad, it's it's still a perfect platformer. It still has perfect gameplay. I think some of the enemy designs in this game were cheap. They were, yeah. Um, there's these little floor things that spew out, like these worms mm. that are really fucking annoying. Um, I think some of the level design, I think the level design uh, with the, the laser shooting across was on um, 
which stage quick man quick man stage yeah i think that's cheap as fuck i think without save states that would have really pissed me off yeah oh yeah big time and i i think uh, of course they have passwords in this so once you've beat like it's kind of cool because once you beat an a robot master you've, that progress is saved mm. But yeah, I mean, it's great, and it's it's renowned as... Is it better than Mega Man 1, in your opinion? My gut feeling is it probably yes. Well, I think there but are... But I have better memories of Mega Man 1. That's the thing. I'm playing these for the first time, doing this show, okay? So I, I think that my experience with Mega Man 1 was better. So for me personally, this is my opinion, I, I preferred Mega Man 1. Um, I preferred the overall experience of it. But I can see that there are elements of this game which are, from a design point of view, probably it's probably better, particularly in terms of some of the designs of the the bosses. Um, I think that they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but but for me, Mega Man One wins over over Mega Man Two. I mean, Mega Man One has Yellow Devil, which is just fucking straight up bullshit. Like it's actually impossible to beat. Like I'm sorry, I don't care what you say. Like there's no one's having fun beating that without the glitch. No, very true, very true. Um, that aside, though, take away Doctor Wily's stage for a second because I, I think they're both much of a much. That's what we're saying, though, is it we're taking away half the game. <laughs> so, can this game ever be anything more than just like pretty good? But it's never going to achieve excellence because of that. Well, we'll see. So, I've only played Mega Man One, Two, Three. Okay, so we'll see where it goes. So, I'll be interested to see whether the balance shifts later on into more of a focus on the, the Robot Masters. And we will go on to cover those for this series later down the line. Yeah, and I think so. I think we're going to cover three, and then I think we're probably going to move on to Mega Man X, um, Mega Man X series, yeah. rather than going... There's six Mega Man mainline games, but also Mega Man X was developed in, in, in tandem with a lot of these. Mm. So we're going to cover all the games at some point. <laughs> all the games ever made. That's the aim of the show. Cataloging gaming's history. So that's been our, our show talking about Mega Man. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up there, Tom? No, I thought that was a good show. I hope we gave you guys some insight into the, the greater story and world of Mega Man and what you can experience playing it. Absolutely. I think it was a different show to the first one because, it, like I said, there's not too much around the development of this, but the fleshing out that world of Mega Man is getting it's laying the groundworks for when we do start moving on to the X Games, not, you know, Tony Hawk and the X Games, um, <laughs> and and the, the rest of the Mega Man Zero and all those kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was an important one to lay that foundation. Big time. I've really enjoyed that one, Tom. So thank you for joining me for that. And uh, guys, thank you for listening to that 8-Bit Shit Show with me, Adam, and my co-host here, Tom. Uh, join us over at happyhourgaming.net where you can find all of our other shows. Um, tune into other episodes of that 8-Bit Shit Show Season 1 if you want to recap and the rest of season two so far. And uh, come and uh, chat to us on Discord and Twitter at Happy Gaming Hour. And buy us a beer on Patreon if you so wish. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. Thinking about it, the weirdest thing I've put my knob in is probably a glove. (laughs) 